Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. The tremolo call, wing noise. Oh, I thought you were doing that old track that we re- recorded. Ooh, haunting. What's the deal with this thing? Extensive white checkering on the back. Does the loon have the collar? Like a priestly bird? It is kind of a priestly bird. Don't you think? Look at the... Yeah, look at his... Look at his throat. He's got a little Roman collar. I know. That's what I was saying. You know, I'd like to get like a clerical shirt with the... the, What do you call it? Spots? Polka dots? The loon has the spots. Yeah. The it common checkering, extensive white checkering. That's it. Yes. The checkering. This is Catholic stuff you should know. We are examining the finer uh, uh, delight of Sibley Birds, a great app in case you're interested. The down of the, well, this, what does it have a variety of loon sounds and birds? Yeah, it has all the all the different birds. I, I brought it up because uh, there was a, uh, a red-tailed hawk outside while... We were waiting for the next podcast to load, and um, the uh, there was a juvenile call of a red-tailed hawk, and I knew that because of my Sibley bird app. This guy has a profound ear for the bird call. I know the birds that are around my rectory right now, which are um, red-tailed hawks and an inordinate amount of Canadian geese. There were ducks too. There were ducks too. Yeah, we got a lot. We got a lot of crazy, crazy ducks going on right can now. Can you? Are you? Can you do the like the bird calls? Can you make the sounds? No, the only one I can do is a is a cardinal. Oh really? Yeah. What does it sound like? <whistles> oh, that's pretty good. <whistles> that's pretty. Otherwise good. known as the what cheer. That's pretty good. Do you? Uh, can you do that whistle thing where you put your no fingers in your mouth? My mom can do that really well. Some pe- I that is that is very impressive to me. I I I, sh- I watched a YouTube video once where you know it taught you how to do it, but I I did it once and never really tried again. Do you I remember the I, first I day I you realized to do you- that thing with the the blade of grass? I can do that. Yeah, that's pretty fun. But I don't know about that with the mouth whistle. I got shaky hands. I I chalk everything up to the true. Shaky hands. Yeah. The um, um. Do you remember the first time you realized you could whistle? No. Okay. No, I don't. I remember uh, my grandpa could whistle, and uh, I wanted to learn, and he he taught me, and then all of a sudden, like um, the uh, um, he kind of walked me through it, and this is how you this is how you you know whistle or whatever, and then I probably did that all day every day for the whole summer, and he's like, just get away from me. Did you, do you remember um, Father Kevin Zilverberg's uncle? No. Was on Letterman because he was like the whistling champ of the really states. No. And yeah, Letterman had him whistle, and it's it's a pretty cool. I video. think I remember seeing that on Letterman actually, but I didn't know that was Zilverberg's uncle. It is. Alas. Who knew? Who knew? We're actually talking about a a, a former seminarian, present day priest today. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this up a little. You guys turn better? it up. Yeah. yeah, if you want. Well, I just think that okay. evens it out. Here we go. You've got a stronger voice, my friend. Sure, i got to back up off that mic. Um, the uh, For my Lenten 
penance, uh, it's not really a penance, but uh, instead of looking at my phone while I eat breakfast, just kind of checking the news and ESPN and scores sure. and whatever else, I am reading different theses. Oh yeah, it looks from, like a dissertation from the seminary uh, that I have wanted to read for some time. And every morning, I you know have my muesli and my uh, emergency and my coffee, and I read a section of a different thesis. And uh, is, is the is muesli described that little corn one? I don't know what are they called puffs. Uh, no, uh, it's just a variety of... It's a granola. Yeah, granola, bran flakes, nuts, berries. It's okay. tasty. Maybe it's the bran thing. It's I actually the cheapest cereal at King Supers, and I think it's the best. Muesli is? Muesli. Oh. It's like a it's healthy a, thing, isn't it's it? It's a staple at the Goebel, Goebel, Schloss Goebbels. No, I actually, I don't think it's that healthy. I looked at the box once, and I was like, eh. I'm meeting with a nutritionist on Friday. Oh, Philip Scaff. Well, Philip. Philip Scaff knows that I eat crackle burgers, which have pancake oh batter in them, and he said, "quote I got my work cut out for me." <laughs> so I'd say, anywho, it's so, all those um, beaver nuggets. Beaver nuggets are part of a balanced diet. So, um, uh, yeah. So, so what are you reading? Muesli, muesli. Just to be clear, muesli. I don't know if muesli is healthy or not. We'll let you know on an upcoming episode, but. Um, today, uh, we are Wait, going to, do you have, do you have skim milk? Do you have 2%? Do you have whole milk 2%. or do you have cream? We're 2% people in okay. this household. And there are certain things that I'm going to listen to Phil on. Um, I'm, I want to be obedient, but I also say there are certain lines that I draw and I would agree oh boy, with Ron is, Swanson. This is a recipe for I would, disaster I would agree already. with Ron Swanson that skim milk is a lie. Okay. It's, it's water masked as milk. That's fair. So um, whole milk, I find whole milk was great. Like when you just wanted one glass of milk for like cookies or something. But like with cereal, it's like you're it like can be thick. It's wading kind of through like, quicksand. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I do like drinking skim milk. If I drink any milk, it's skim. Oh, no. 2%. Just because I don't drink a lot of milk. But if I have it with cereal, 2% is my jam. I have to say, I have to say that uh, we're very proud of Deacon Daryl Nepple uh, because he has pulled through uh, uh, some amazing difficulties in his yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And while he was uh, incapacitated at Craig Hospital, they stopped the delivery of Royal Crest. To his oh. house. And I always thought that Royal Crest was one of those things that, like, when you went over to Daryl Nepple's house, you were going to get a great glass of milk. Yeah. And he would always drink milk every meal. Is that everywhere? Did you have that in Illinois? No. The Royal Crest? No. They got this little box outside of your, no. outside of your door. No. And then they recycle the... The bottles. The bottles. Yep. We used to do that. I grew up on that stuff. Really? Yeah. Oh. It, it wasn't delivery. We'd go up to the... Local gas station. Gas station. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to get in on that. But you would bring your your bottles. bottles. Yeah. Um, great recycling program. Taking care of the earth. Taking care of the earth. Laudato C. Um, right. No, we had Oberweiss, um, but I don't think Oberweiss went down as far as my in Mount Zion. So oh. anyways, uh, today we are studying uh, over the uh, muesli of the day. Uh, Father Charles Joseph Digert. Ah, Carrying in the body the death of Jesus, the value of suffering, and the counsels in the mission of a priest. There it is. Did you read uh, Mr. Uh, Reverend Mr. Charles Joseph Digert's thesis? No, that guy was a classmate of mine for a long time, and I should. For, to my shame, I have not read his thesis. I read a number of them. I read yours. Yeah. 
I read Wunches, uh, Choochies. Wunches is on the docket. Nepples uh, is on the docket. Nepples, I think I read. I read books. I read books. Yep. Uh, Larkins, I read. It's amazing. That's to, clothed in glory. It's amazing to hear uh, different uh, of these theses and be like, wow, that really does exemplify the person. That, okay. like, as they write, you're like, that is Digert. You know? Yeah, I read. I, I wrote about Sabbath, and I'm sleeping right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like lazy. Actually, I read yours. I read yours up in Craig. Nice. So uh, I think I read it in the hammock outside of uh, the rectory. That's the way to read a thesis on Sabbath. So um, now, have you gone back and read yours? Somebody, um, see, I I had run into people who are embarrassed about their old stuff, and I I went back and revisited mine. And although, yeah, my writing has improved, I think I can articulate mm-hmm. things a little better. Sure. I was I was happy with it, and I kind of remembered some things and learned some things. Yeah. I would say that was one of the more difficult things that I did in seminary. So I have a certain degree of pride around it because I'm like, I I was thankful that it turned out the way that it did, and really uh, I really liked my topic. So we already did. A and did did they? Um, did you guys have a defense? I, I've heard that we they were dropped the, the first defense. class that didn't have a defense, ah. and I was so disappointed because like that to me was like. I mean, you were battle royale. You had to answer all those questions. It was and then cool. When I you liked were, it. When you man. were done, man, it was just like, wow, you did it. Yeah. You know, I wanted to get signs in the back and, yeah. you know, applaud. Here's my yeah, appeal to the seminary. Please reinstate the defense. Actually, you it's know. It's not like, well, okay, fine. You're not like this like, presenter at some, you know, Catholic conference at this point or whatever. But, right. But it's a good exercise. To to be able to defend your thing, and it's like a formality that really makes things like it's good for closure. I think. Yeah, and I think it also gives you an opportunity to share the fruit of your work. Yeah, you know, right. and not just what you wrote on a page, but like you know, be able to give, you know, why did you study this? What it was it that you yeah. wanted to communicate? Whatever. And I don't know that every priest reads these over muesli, but uh, I, my impression is that most of them sit in the library. They say to put a hundred dollar bill right in your in ah, your in your that's theses. Clever. I like that. And then if anybody reads it, you know they can have it. So um, did you find any? No, no I had already printed digital copy. I had you know you request copies of these, and then you know you're just like I'll read that at some point. Right. And uh, I need to read about. I want to read Father Keith Kenny's. He did one on the theology of blessing. Yeah. Um. And uh, so, anyways, uh, I was struck by this. Um. This this aspect of it because it, it it keys in on again he's doing suffering and counsels in the life of the priest yeah um and uh he hones in in particular in his thesis on uh, one of the promises that we make at ordination so so vows are different than the promises that we make at at ordination right so the vows that um that religious normally profess are what what are the vows that they normally profess poverty chastity and obedience yeah so what we call the evangelical councils we've talked about them before yeah um but the priests the diocesan priests have a series of questions that they're asked you know namely like do you resolve to uh pray faithfully the liturgy of the hours with and for the people of god um, that is the thesis that I just finished, which was John Paul Lewis's from the uh, diocese, Archdiocese of Oklahoma City. Uh, okay. What does it mean to pray with and for the people of God? But uh, is that a deacon? That's promise, in the diaconate. Or... Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So I in that was both in the priest and deacon. in the uh, in the ordination rite of of priests, you say I think it's four or five I do's, and then you do one I do with the help of God. with the help of God. Do you That's remember right. which one that was? I do with the help of God. In a minute, maybe it'll come back. Okay, to me. maybe no, as you, I don't. I don't remember. Which so he one. he writes this. Uh, just it's page twenty four. In case you're uh, looking online, I don't know if you can find it, but good luck. Um, it is suffering more than anything else which clears the way for the grace which transforms human souls. Namely, uh, that's from uh, uh, John Paul II's um, encyclical on suffering, Salvi Chifi Dolores. Mm-hmm. Suffering more than anything else makes present in the history of humanity the powers of the redemption. All that happened in the life of the in the life of Christ is recapitulated in the lives of the members of His mystical body. This is particularly true of His suffering on behalf of the world. What is true of the whole mystical body is true in particular way for priests. In the rite for the ordination of priests, the men to be ordained are asked, quote, "Do you resolve to be united more closely every day to Christ, the High Priest?" who offered himself for us to the Father as a pure sacrifice and with him to consecrate yourself to God for the salvation of all. To I which do. each man to be ordained responds, I do with, with the, the help, help of God. God. Oh. So it's good because um, in uh, the Chrism Mass, which we'll celebrate just in a few short weeks, we actually go through those again, just sort of uh, you know renewing our, our priestly promises. But we say, uh, we're, what we're, we're trying to inculcate in ourselves is, well, this is what you promised a long time ago. So again, as priests, do you resolve to be united more closely every day to Christ the High Priest, who offered himself for us to the Father, as a pure sacrifice, and with him to consecrate yourself to God for the salvation of all. I do with the help of God. So what what, Diger, what Father Digert is pointing out in this is that how do we fulfill this promise that we've made? Of you conf- know, conformity to Christ. Conformity to him. And who is this priest that we are conforming ourselves to? In Hebrews, it says, we know that we have a great high priest who is able to Suffer. Sympathize, oh, sympathize with, with our weakness, oh. you know? And uh, what his thesis drew out for me, at least as I had my breakfast every morning, was how am I living out a compassionate priesthood? A priesthood in which I'm able to sympathize, yeah. um, both suffer of those, with. to suffer with, exactly, the, the people of God, with and for the, the people of God. And he goes on to kind of, uh, point out that the councils and suffering, which the councils actually allow us to suffer. He says, the fruit of the councils is ultimately the perfection of charity. Um, the life of the councils allow us to imitate the whole of the life of Jesus. So as we as we go through our life, when we promise this, um, when we make this promise at our ordination, the way in which we fulfill that is aided by our participation in, in the councils. And uh, as a companion, we strive to live uh, in a unique and kind of clarified way those councils of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, and I, I was struck, too, because um, uh, I think he's quoting Thomas Aquinas, is uh, poverty and these councils actually aid us in uh, how do is it? We have a disordered attachment to various things. Yeah. So in poverty, it's external goods. 
in chastity it's sensible pleasures and then obedience it's our own will and i like reflecting on this especially in the context of lent because our our disciplines in some sense afflict us we realize that we are perhaps over attached to certain things and it's good for us to kind of clear the brush away so that we can more eagerly attach to Christ and and the people. Yeah. Um, and there's just a suffering naturally from being detached, pulled away from something that we that we are too too connected to or connected to in the wrong way, whatever. Um, so yeah, when I I think like it's important to note this is like taking on a suffering, but it maybe is different than like the the penances of the hair shirt or something right where this gives us isn't just like making up for something where penance can be just making up for wrongs done it's it's a way of making amends it's a way of um calling on you know graces of mercy and this is really sort of clearing the brush for the sake of something right it's becoming free right and probably for for the end of charity like you've mentioned, right? Yeah, the charity, which is not just, I want to be better. And I, I think we return back every Lent to the common temptation, which is, if I do these penances, I'll be a better person. Right. You know, And ultimately, it we can run the temptation of, uh, once I've detached from these things, I know that I'm freer and in, the, in some sense, like, better and now the question becomes what do i do with what i've what i've learned the fruit of penance should actually be love mm. the fruit of uh the the ways in which we deny ourselves should not just be i shouldn't do these i don't know have an over attachment to my phone or or to food or to sleep or something but i should actually love and love requires a person and so love is directed towards uh, God and neighbor. Our excessive self-love kind of gets in the way. And when we follow Christ more closely, when we resolve to follow Christ more, clo- more closely, we always have to acknowledge whatever I'm doing, I do with the help of God. Mm. It's not just my, my will. You know, the, yeah. my, my, my ego drives this. I make the decision. I decide that I'm going to do it. And I become more powerful and more convinced of myself and my own right. kind of, yeah, I just, uh, I become stronger because I'm going to exercise every day or I'm not going to eat chocolate or whatever. And yeah. if it's not directed to another end, it can be a, a source of pride. You know, it can boost our own, you know, it can be a trophy to ourself. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there is... There is that uh, that person to keep in front of us, both just like you're saying, that to to give us the strength, and then also to direct our our freedom. Really, you know, you can manage your whole life, and then just you know, just get stronger to to give more to yourself mm-hmm. instead of um, clearing the way to give to God and neighbor, like you're saying. And there are certain there are certain penances that we take on that we choose, we choose what we're going to do. I'm going to give up this this year, or I'm going to do this, you know, this this season of Lent, which is fine. But sometimes, as I have to remind, you know, people and even remind myself, 
Lent finds us. It's mm. not like we have our program of, of self-purification. It's that God actually, in his providence, allows us to see, this is actually what I want you to do for Lent. You know, people who get, um, I don't know, like I met, I saw a lady in the hospital the other day. She came down with a, a virus, uh, not, you know, the, the corona, but just like a, you know, flu virus of some sort. And uh, she already has respiratory issues. And uh, she was like, she was like, well, I'm on my own Lent, you know? And I was like, good for you. Like you're recognizing that uh, ultimately like God is finding you in the midst of this and suffering with the counsels, because when we deny ourselves certain things, the fruit of suffering shouldn't just be, oh, I'm, I'm bad. I, I really like that food. I really like this. But actually, I want to attach myself more more deeply to Christ. Okay? Mm-hmm. So um, with that disordered attachment to external goods, sensible pleasures, and our own will comes uh, a desire to reject certain vices. Okay? I have three vices that are sort of laid out classically you know, with this, but I wasn't able to find... In his thesis, this would be the question I would have for Mr. Daggert. Okay, um, defend yourself, Defend Daggert. yourself. Uh, you're going to take his place. But um, there are three sort of vices that we we seek to overcome through the, the councils. So the, vices, the vice of greed is overcome through poverty. Mm-hmm. We realize that we have an overattachment to these goods, and we want to say, no, I want to release my, my desire for that and actually seek something else. Second one would be sensible pleasures, which simply, put simply, it would be sensuality. That we take an excess of delight in um, sensual love, and that can come in a variety of forms. Just because you've given up all pleasures, love, you know, the body, doesn't necessarily mean that you're not still grasping in terms of relationships. That can happen in friendship. It can happen in conversation. It can happen in the sharing of your heart you know, oversharing or something yeah. like that. I think, you know, one, one real temptation is success. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure. You feel great when you do something. Sure. And that's not to say that we should all be like, not have any hmm. goals or interests or ambitions or whatever. But, yeah. but uh, yeah, there's a lot of those kind of abstract pleasures that we, I mean, our mind goes straight to got chocolate and sex or something, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think there's a lot more to it too. Yeah, sen- the sensual kind of satisfaction, comforts, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you? What are you fighting for? Bodily, I, bodily delights. You are. You're going to get into the and third, then one more, third one, one yeah. more. So then, uh, obedience uh, is. You know, we have a disordered attachment to our own will, and therefore need to grow in pride, or have to you know decrease our our sense of pride. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I'm looking for is well, can I throw in a- the three virtues that we're, we're trying to inculcate, which is good. I mean, I maybe it's in there. It was very early when I was reading this. So let me ask if this is too much of a stretch, because sometimes when we get into like theological topics or we're trying to organize like this vast amount of information, mm-hmm. then like numbers and sim- simplified things can be a little too um, and it, like overly connected, but. I recently preached on these evangelical councils and the Our Father and mm. how we pray in some of the petitions in the middle, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, give us this day our daily bread. And I see with the, the daily bread is 
you know, pretty works well with the, uh, the poverty, poverty mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I only need what I need. You know, God, give me that. Yeah. And detach me from any excess, mm-hmm. right? Give me this daily bread. And then uh, thy will be done, of course, is um, obedience. It's a way of sacrificing our own self-will. And then thy kingdom come was the hard part for chastity. But I do think there's something, hmm. and this is where I kind of stretched it, but um, the yeah, ki- the kingdom being allurements of the world. Sure. You know, all these things that are offered by the world. And that's where I was talking about success, but also talking about the sensual pleasures. And I think there's something there of, you know, Jesus teaches us a prayer. And that prayer includes this way of life that he invites us into the, you know, the, the, the suggestions from the, um, from the gospel. Yeah. Here's your freedom. This is what you ask God for, you know, with the Our Father. Do you, does, is it too much of a stretch with the kingdom come part? No, actually, I, I have some thoughts on it. Um, I mean, the, the, just staying with that, like, when we say, give us this day our daily bread, you know, when, when, I, when I've had the misfortune of fasting, you know, commanded or invited, whatever, um, when it's time to eat, Man, I look at that bread as totally different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like it's almost like the sugar in the bread is far more um active because I've I've kind of detached from all the other sort of pleasures that I'm actually tasting every granule. Yeah. It's like an explosion. It's like there's raisins in this bread. Yeah. Ooh. Like there must be, but like you're like tasting like different air pockets and oh, like yeah. the saltiness of the sourdough or something like that and the crust. I mean, and what I think is when we live, when we live the evangelical of, of poverty, council of poverty well, we're growing in gratitude. Yeah, that's it. So you actually receive what has been given with delight. Yeah. And you're not looking for more. You're just saying, "Wow, this is this is what I have, and what a grace." Um, yeah, and it's not well, that, and that's the part where I'm like, the evangelical councils are are kind of presented in ways as penances and suffering, but in in fact, they might be just like, "Here's your here's how to enjoy life." It's the map. Yeah, exactly. It's the surest. It's the sur- surest path to the embrace of the whole of the life of Christ, which, I mean, Digert does a great job of returning back to Scripture and the gospel and the life of Christ, where he's saying, here are moments where Jesus was living the, the evangelical council of poverty, and not in a not in a negative way, not just like, oh, how sad am I? Yeah. But like, he was free. Yeah, fully, you know? fully alive. Mm-hmm. So gratitude, um, I like that. Um, give us this day our daily bread. Um, with uh, thy kingdom come... Uh, what I was thinking of is what are the marks of the kingdom? You know, the marks of the kingdom are children. It, you know, he he pulls a, a child aside yeah. and sa- embracing him says, if you do not receive the kingdom such as one of these, yeah. you will not enter into it. So it's marked by kingdom, uh, by children, and by um, a, a lack of marriage. He says, those who are enter the kingdom of God neither marry nor are given in marriage. Yeah. But they are like... Like the angels. Like the angels. Yeah. So there is a way in which uh, the sensuality is overcome. Instead of the grasping to be pulled into oneself, there's actually a you, you know? Mm. Kids, kids take delight in the other. 
Yeah. And I would think that that angels look gaze upon other angels who are an entirely spe- different species. You know, every angel is its own right, right, right. reality. Um and uh they see they see the creative gift of God instead of, oh, I'm not yeah. I'm not like that. What or, about me? How or do I, I get mine? Or I want that. Yeah. I want what they have. Yeah. Give it to me. It's just a celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like that. Yeah. I, I think those are good, certainly good examples. You know, the kingdom of God, the child and the angel. There is, yeah, there's something of freedom. And there's also like the image of joy in that, you know, kids are just happy and free and simple. Right. Yeah. And these, and things complicate life. That's like um, mo money, mo problems. Yeah, you know? it's like the the more you, pleasure that you get, the more you need them. But I would say even even certain relationships, like if you have a hundred friends, if you have a hundred friends, but you don't know if you don't know five of your friends' uh, siblings' names, are they really your friends? You mm-hmm. know, that's kind of my that's one of my markers. Um, because you care about them. Because you care about them. You're not just like, hey, what am I getting out of this friendship? Right. Mm. So I would say, like, the collection of persons can actually be a sign of unchastity um, because you're no longer valuing the other for the sake of the other. You're actually saying, what are you going to give me? Yeah. And That's so. Right. Yeah. It's, I, I think of it just like as a grasping. Yes. You know, grasping and using those words kind of come up for me with chastity even even knowing you know like this this need to know all of it mm. you know the the self-disclosure that happens in friendship is it is in a way like part of the deal you can't just go in there and just start saying like you know tell me everything yeah you know yeah. but like there is a there's sort of a dance and there's a respect for the other that actually allows for i don't need to be there everything and I would certainly say for priests, there's a way in which um, we know uh, persons in a very intimate way, mm. but without the the same kind of um, without without the same intimacy that the world kind of invites, and that's where the danger can kind of come in. Yeah, and I've been tempted to like, you know, do they appreciate me? Do my does my parish mm. appreciate me? And mm-hmm. uh, do they care? Why aren't they? you know, like more involved or more interested in my yeah. life or, um, yeah, I, I can see, I, I certainly see that. And, and yeah, wanting to sort of claim things. I mean, you have to let go. You got to move from one parish to another. You got to serve people and then not, wow. You know, he says not that stay attached. Exactly. And that's painful. That is actually tough. And there's, there's, there's certainly something good because you're you're serving somebody else. You're moving. You're you, the kind of horizon expands and the the collection. But uh, collection is a bad word there. <laughs> but your family, mm-hmm. you know, your family grows. But you can't stay too attached. Um, or I mean, it, there's potential to, but it's not good for you. You know. Yeah. Quoting Digert, um, he says. Um, Celibacy is not a loveless existence, but surrender for the sake of perfect love. Mm. Um, and I would say, like, he mentions that very thing where it's like to leave a parish, to leave a community is in some sense not just obedience, but it's actually chaste. It's 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 actually saying, like, I've been with you. We've enjoyed that, but I don't need to grasp 
you know, for something more. And Um, even you don't need me. You need Jesus. mm -hmm. And there will be another one who comes and brings you Jesus. Yeah. Serves. But that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. So um, that's the that's kind of the the virtue I guess that we're looking for the the virtues of those marked by the kingdom of heaven you know and you can find a lot of those in in um, the Sermon on the Mount as well as um, Luke's kind of Sermon on the Plain where he talks about the lilies of the field and they neither spin uh, nor toil the birds of the air they neither you know kind of gather into barns but but they're they're able to to be um, yeah, they they're not grasping onto that. Anyways, yeah. God uh, has given them, you know. Look at the glory that God has given them. And each other. He's given them each other, you know. They they do kind of fly together. So, uh the last one, obedience, you know, kind of uh detachment from our own will, kind of overcoming pride. I mean, ultimately that's humility. Um but the the one that we kind of mark most with humility is both um our lady so the election and fiat that she has in seeing and hearing the word of God and choosing it, not just resigning herself to it, but choosing it and delighting in it and saying, you know, let it be done. Um, there, I mean, when I got the phone call to go to St. Joan of Arc, I was like, I have never even been to that place. Yeah, I know nothing about it. Like, why would I ever want that? And... Ultimately, it wasn't like a resigned obedience. To me, it was, I want to know what I'm getting into so that I can choose it. Instead of, if this is what you want, that's what I want. Yeah. And... Yeah, I you, you remember when I was asked to go study. I didn't want to study. Yeah. You know, I had, I had prayed about that. I had discerned that. I had thought, you know, that's not the trajectory of my life. If I wanted to do that full-time, then I would have been a Jesuit, you know, Um, or I would have followed some sort of path more intentionally. And then I wanted to be with people in the sacraments and parochial life. And so when I was asked to go study, it was a, it was difficult kind of puzzle, I think for me. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to see, I wanted an explanation, you know, God, you show me how this fits. Yeah. And I mean, that was an up and down thing. And I think eventually, you know, when you say yes, then there is some sense that's made of it, but better is the freedom of, you know, doing doing what you had hoped to do, committed to do, which is obedience more than some plan that I want to set up and mm-hmm. hold on to or something. Yeah. It's hard because at times you realize you, you're doing exactly what you were made to do. Right. And right. sometimes... And somebody else sees that. Yes. You know, I mean, I'm going to send you here, you know, and that's uh, trusting that God works in other people too. Right. So I would say obedience isn't just like, uh, do, do hard things and learn to like them. Sometimes it's, I don't know how this is going to bear fruit, but I trust that it will. Um, you know, recently, you know, with, sorry to dwell on this, we're kind of in the middle of it, but we, we passed down all these edicts about, you know, coronavirus. Yeah. And one of the things that we said was, you know, the bishop has asked uh, that persons consider not receiving on the tongue, that instead they would receive on the hand. And I, what I said to him was, piety is a, a lesser good than obedience. And oftentimes we kind of say, my personal piety is going to be better than than what has been chosen you know somebody who goes and does their own thing during mass 
you know, sort of, I don't know, standing, sitting, kneeling, you know, following along at a different pace, whatever. Sometimes that can be distracting because what right. what you're actually asking is, you know, can you can you follow the public prayer? Now, there may be times in your life where you're like, I I physically and emotionally and spiritually can't get up for the for I don't know, the Our Father. You just find yourself like I'm exhausted or I'm actually deep in prayer and I'm going to do this. That's different than I'm deliberately going to choose every single time to do my own thing. Yeah. Which I would say, eh. Yeah, or I know better. I mean, we plugged it, or we tried to explain some of these uh, this, these kind of mandates, um, both in under the uh, under the bucket of obedience. Like, don't why why do we want to know better than than uh, you know God appointed superiors? Now that doesn't mean don't be unthinking or you know don't uh, you, you have to you, you can't have take issue with things. You can't ha- struggle with things and have to like figure them out. But in this case, we we plug charity. It's just a matter of yeah. It's not just you. Love. It's not just you and Jesus. The, yeah. You could make somebody sick. Right. Love for the That's neighbor. That's the point, you right. know? And if there is, the church allows uh, reception of the Eucharist on the tongue or in the hand, and the bishop says, I'd, I'd, I'm, I'm asking you out of charity to do one rather than the other, right. then it's important. It's it's just important, even though it's, it, it is a sacrifice. It is kind of like yeah. not what you're used to. And I tried to tell the the people, well, step up your uh, adoration game, you know, and and you do have to wrestle a little bit with like, you know, how do I express reverence to to Jesus? Because that's good, yes, you know. But then you have this this other value that somebody else is asking you to mm-hmm. act out of, and yeah. So I, the other one I would say the other kind of um, I don't know standard bearer, obviously for humility is is Jesus. And um, one of the one of the icons that is a favorite of of uh, Father John's is this icon called Extreme Humility, mm. which is his uh, being lowered into the into the tomb, you know, defeated. I haven't even seen that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. It, he's he's defeated. He's dead. He's bearing the marks of his wounds, and he's being lowered, deposited into the grave. Mm. And there's just it resignation is the wrong word. It makes it seems like he's just sort of whatever, but it's like he's like I'm willing to go even to this, you mm. know, to even have the earth swallow me whole. Um and I I know that I'm secure. Yeah. You know. And uh, you know that that God would die, it's one thing. To allow himself to undergo seeming corruption. I mean, that's like how much further can he go? Yeah. Um, so I mean, nowhere. I mean, yeah, and that's trust. That's trust into the. It's like from every every little yes, every little bit builds that trust. God will provide. I don't see it. I don't know, but God will provide. Yeah. So, um, I would you know highly you know encourage uh you know those who have not kind of investigated the the work of the councils as well as suffering in their own life. Suffering is is kind of it's part and parcel with the councils because there is a denial, but there's also an acceptance. And part of what we have to accept is, um, how is this going to bear fruit in my life? You know, this denial is actually going to bear, you know, something delightful. 
Um, so learning to actually choose one over the other. Um, I mean, St. Ignatius would say we should be indifferent. You neither choose a long life nor a short life, neither riches nor poverty. But I would say that the, the, uh, the way we should lean should be, I should say no to the sensible delights and, you know, even the spiritual delights of my will, my pleasures, my stuff, and instead just say, okay, Lord, what? So um, I, I thought it was very helpful. Well done, yeah, Father Diger. that's great. Thank you, Father. And, um, yeah, I think there's there's a sort of um, exemplary kind of uh, conformity to Christ that's appropriate for the priest. You know, we're, we're called to be and invited to be and ordained, ordered by the church to be um, in persona Christi Capitas. Yes. Right? And so there's something especially important, I think, for the priests, but the whole the whole church, every Christian is called to be conformed to Christ. They're invited. And yeah. and there's an exercise of the the baptismal priesthood in that um, in that suffering and that conformity too. It's like this is going to make you not only like this kind of free person and a person who savors life and some of the stuff we've talked about, but also capable of caring for and offering sacrifices for other people in a more profound and robust way. To intercede with compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And to be there, to notice other people, to bring their needs to God, and to walk with them. Yeah. And, and the only way we can do that isn't through us. How do we conform ourselves to that? I do with the help of God. Mm-hmm. And so inviting God into that and say, Lord... However you want me to grow in these areas of overcoming these, uh, you know, greed, sensuality, and pride, help me to do that. So I want to conclude with this prayer. It's a classic Lenten prayer from St. Ephraim the Syrian. Thank you, Ephraim, the deacon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Lord and Master of my life, give me not the spirit of laziness, despair, lust of power, and idle talk, but give rather the spirit of sobriety, humility, patience, and love to your servant. Yea, O Lord and King, grant me to see my own transgressions, and not to judge my brother, for you are blessed unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen. That's a cool prayer. Yeah. Do you my, pray that? That's regular? my that's my Lenten prayer. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, love that's it. what I'm that's what I'm trying to do every day. So um we got we got some gifts. A delightful smell was issuing from one of the bags uh, from Maggie Jordan who originally was from, they were from out east, then they moved to Buena Vista, Colorado. I was looking forward to meeting them in Buena Buena, Vista. Buena Vista. Buena Vista. And uh, now they're in Chattanooga, uh, Tennessee. She says, I hope uh, all this finds you well. On a podcast a long time ago, Father Nathan mentioned Watermelon Big League Chew. Big League. So, uh, it's back. Father Mike is still waiting for his uh, sandalwood candle. Um, but uh, Well, hey, I'm meanwhile, get- there are two bags of Big League there. I used to chew that when I played yes. Little League. I love it. Dude, it's so good. We, Yeah, that stuff and then... Uh, so thanks, Maggie. He, he, Father Nathan also knows that I love seeds. Yes. Sunflower seeds. Oh, yeah. Savories. But Big League Chew is uh, certainly fun. Exactly. I, I miss some of this stuff. You know, fruit by the foot. Oh, yeah. Gushers. Gushers. Yeah. Fruit roll up. But please, please chew. don't. 
Not right. Now. I mean, I'm, ladies and gentlemen, I mentioned I'm meeting with Philip Scaff. Yeah, Philip is not gonna like. Doctor Phil is gonna is gonna gifts. is gonna get upset. So um, so that's that. Uh, the other shout out I have. Um, I was informed that I've given a shout out to a number of people, but have failed to give a shout out to Courtney Meyer, uh, who is one of our prized uh, seniors from uh, St. Joan of Arc, who's going to Benedictine College next year. So All I, right. I want to make sure that uh, Courtney gets her shout out. I will take that off of my list. Um, thank you for all of the uh, post-it notes you put on my door. You are a delight. Thanks, Courtney. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tia Senor, she was working at Lourdes, and she has moved to a new job, Yeah, uh, also in development. Um, doing great work raising money for uh, Children's Hospital and oh wow um, but I wanted to shout her out because she's a delight and she's been um, a great missionary for the parish and then to lastly to Father Joseph Digert oh yeah come on Joe. what a stud Joseph Colo- Digert Colorado Springs the priest. greatest teacher in Colorado Springs <laughs> a holy priest of God yeah and uh, a, a good old friend he's back. We saw him the other day. He's back. We're happy to have him. So, all right. This is Catholic Sub Podcast, gmail.com. I think by the time our next one comes out, we should be in the Easter season. Um, Wait, I had another question for you. Oh. Sorry to interrupt this outro. The uh, Have we done one on Joan of Arc? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I did it uh, when I read the Mark Twain's book. Oh, cool. But I want to do I want to do the 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 battles of Saint Joan because we did kind of the trial of Joan of Arc, okay. but now really like her battles and like how she how she conquered like leading up to that. So. Okay. Well, give Someday. me give me the heads up. We usually don't like spoiler before we uh, present a topic or whatever, but I'd like to know so I can read up on the battles. Got it. Right okay. on. Well, thanks, uh, folks. God bless you all. Have a great Lent. That's right, and uh, we will see you in Easter. Cheers.